You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits, C103. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme. Bernie is sitting in for John Paul, who's off this week. So Bernie's taking your calls. Anything you want to share with us, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well to 0862-103-103. Yesterday on the programme, we were talking about the coronavirus. We were in particular waiting for the government to see what they would recommend about the Ireland Italy rugby match and of course as we know uh, yesterday afternoon it was confirmed uh, that the government were suggesting to the IRF at U that they should cancel the Six Nations match. Now the rugby chiefs have now sought an urgent meeting with the health minister uh, Simon Harris. Now Simon Harris in fairness it was he backed the expert advisory group. They were the ones that recommended that next week's match should be cancelled and they're saying it should be cancelled in the interest of public health and safety. Simon Harris last night said the decision to call for the match to be cancelled wasn't taken lightly but he said we have to act on the basis of public health advice but a spokesperson for the minister has said it was still up to the IRFU as to whether the match would go ahead or not all the government and the advisory body can do is offer the advice, give the advice where appropriate, but it will be up to the rugby chiefs themselves to decide if they agree and cancel the match. So what they've decided to do is they've decided, the IRFU have decided to have a meeting with Simon Harris and that meeting is going ahead this morning and we'll keep a close eye on it. If anything breaks from that meeting during the course of the programme, we will bring it uh, to you. Now, obviously, there are fears that the travelling Italian fans could heighten the risk of coronavirus coming into this country because as of yet we still do not have a case of coronavirus uh, in uh, Ireland. Four regions in northern Italy were yesterday added to the list of at-risk areas uh, following a surge in cases and deaths there from the virus. Now the government uh, has sought to tighten rules around the return of people to Ireland, particularly people coming from coronavirus hit regions. There was a number of schools, you probably heard this uh, yesterday, who had come back from ski trips at Italy. Of course last week was midterm and midterm break traditionally is the time for many transition year students when they go away on ski holidays and some of them had been in northern Italy. Now it seems some of the schools weren't necessarily in the coronavirus hit regions but they may have been close to it and there's testing going on at some of the schools. Some of the pupils have been sent home and told to self-isolate for the uh, two weeks but the government's saying now we need to do something we need to tighten up uh, the rules and obviously people who return from any of the countries where there has been an outbreak of coronavirus. People are being asked to self-isolate and undergo testing for coronavirus. Although for now, temperature checks are not being carried out when people arrive into this country. But from today, more health staff are going to be deployed on the ground in airports and that's more to provide information and guidance to passengers. But you probably have seen it in other countries, I mean, particularly in China, as people were getting on and off planes, they were having their temperature checked. We're not introducing that, but there will be experts around. I know I was up at the airport last uh, Sunday 
I was dropping my niece back who was over with us uh, for midterm and uh, inside in the toilets there were signs up saying you know if you've travelled and it was mainly China was the country I think was being mentioned on the signs I don't know how long the signs were there but it was saying anyone with any symptoms you know to, to please uh, contact me- medical personnel so there was, certainly were signs around the hospital but there wasn't staff on the ground walking around offering advice to anyone so they're doing that uh, from today uh, and now with the the talks that the match is going to be cancelled, obviously, people are starting to talk about other large events and there are now growing fears that things like the St. Patrick's Day celebrations, they're just around the corner. They could call fall victim to public health measures. I mean, if we end up between now, say, and St. Patrick's Day having coronavirus here in this uh, country, that's going to lead to people saying they won't, you can't have any sort of mass gatherings. I mean, that's one way to try to stop the virus from spreading is to limit and cancel all mass gatherings. So St. Patrick's Day parades, they certainly are mass gatherings, so they could fall foul. The Cheltenham Festival, that's due to start in Cheltenham on the 10th of uh, March. Um, And with more and more cases sweeping across Europe, no signs of it uh, abating, certainly initially. There are talks now that maybe we need to batten down the hatches and do something similar, I suppose, to what we did during the foot and mouth disease where all public gatherings uh, would be cancelled. As we know, this broke yesterday when we were on air. The, there's a hotel in Tenerife that's been quarantined. We were trying to find out at that stage, was there any Irish holidaymakers? Of course, there's Irish holidaymakers uh, because it's Tenerife, very popular de- destination. 20 Irish ho- holidaymakers are now quarantined in the hotel. They've been tested for the coronavirus and that's the hotel where the Italian doctor had been staying and I think the, he's tested positive for coronavirus and the two people travelling with him there was another couple travelling with him they've also tested positive so of course anybody staying at that it's the Costa Adagia uh, Palace Resort popular with Irish it seems 20 of them staying there and somebody yesterday was saying you know we when we've been talking about coronavirus we were only talking about China how many other countries has been affected particularly the ones closest to us and the ones across Europe I mean the worst one and no sign of it abating is initially they have 322 cases and they have had 11 deaths now closer to us at home in the United Kingdom they've had 13 cases of coronavirus with no deaths France 12 cases and of course we've, they've now confirmed their first death. In Spain, on mainland Spain, they've had four cases of coronavirus, virus, no deaths. Uh, Germany, 16 cases. Switzerland, one, no deaths in either of those countries. Same in Austria, Croatia, Russia, Finland and Sweden. They've all had one and two cases respectively and same with Belgium, but they've had uh, no deaths. But in Italy, certainly no sign of it abating there. 322 cases with 11 deaths. And there's a little bit of panic buying going on in this country. And I suppose people are more than anything with panic buying getting prepared. What happens if we hit an outbreak of coronavirus? I mean, some doctors you hear talk about would our hospitals be able to cope? And many feel, I mean, only yesterday, CUH again, had a record number of people on trolleys in the A&E department. Could you imagine if there was an outbreak of coronavirus in Cork and everybody was heading up to CUH? How would they be able to cope? Would they be able to cope? Many feel that they wouldn't be able to cope. But it seems pharmacies have seen panic buying of face masks and hardware shops. Obviously, another place where you can get uh, face masks. And in many hardware shops and pharmacies, their shelves have now emptied. But what I thought was particularly mean in the midst of it all, the wholesale price of the face masks that you see when you see any of the 
TV footage of any of the countries with coronavirus. You see people walking around with the surgical masks and the face masks. Um, the wholesale prices in this country have risen by 500% because people are panic buying them. Pharmacies are reporting that the alcohol-based hand gels, they're also coming in a little bit of short supply, as are thermometers. People are running out and buying uh, thermometers. Demand for surgical masks, this is one pharmacist in by the name of Noreen Fitzgerald from Fitzgerald Medical in Dublin. She said demand for the surgical masks has gone up by so much in recent days. She said, I don't have any in stock and I can't source any at a reasonable Price. She said she was able to buy a pack of surgical masks wholesale for three euro back in January. But when she went back to the same suppliers, they are looking for the very same pack of surgical masks. They're looking for between 15 and 20 euro, which is just a complete and utter rip off. And uh, she's decided to shop around. Uh, well done. And she said she doesn't know if it's hysteria or what, what it is or the fact that people are talking so much about it. But she said literally people are buying up these masks even though we don't have a case of coronavirus in this uh, country. She already feels, she personally feels that medical centres will not be able to cope if the virus comes here. So we're just going to have to wait and see. And then the other big question that people are asking, uh, travel plans. If you have travel plans and you're travelling to one of the countries that, and you know, when I was reading out the con- all the different countries there across Europe that has coronavirus, would it put you off travelling? And if you have travel plans, I know we were contacted yesterday by one of our listeners, Eileen, who is travelling to Spain in the coming two weeks. And she's very nervous about it. And she was saying because there has been four cases on mainland Spain and then she was hearing what was going on in Tenerife uh, yesterday, she was wondering should she cancel? And her question to us was if she does cancel, will she get her money back? Well, travel insurers will provide compensation to people only if people's people travel people travel they cancel their travel plans to areas that has been specifically advised not to visit by the Department of Foreign Affairs. And the Department of Foreign Affairs have so far advised citizens not to travel to 10 Italian towns and to avoid China due to the outbreak of COVID-19 as uh, the coronavirus is officially known as. And insurers say they will not provide payout if people decide not to travel to areas not covered by the department's advice. So at the moment if you have a holiday booked to any of the 10 Italian towns are you at a holiday or travel plans to China Department of Foreign Affairs are advising you not to go so therefore you can go back to your travel insurance company and you'll get all of your money back. But if like Eileen who contacted us yesterday she just has a gut feeling she doesn't want to go to Spain if she goes back to her travel insurance insurance says can I have my money back they're going to say no unless between now and when Eileen plans to travel Spain gets added onto the list of countries that the Department of Foreign Affairs are advising citizens not to uh, travel uh, to so uh, we're asking that this morning how are would what would you say to Eileen would you tell her to go away and have her holiday and don't worry about it she'll be fine or would you be erring on the side of, no, I'd be very cautious about going to any of those countries where there has been a case of coronavirus. But bearing in mind, we now have Belgium, Spain, France, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, Austria, Croatia, Russia, Finland, Sweden and the United Kingdom. There's a lot of countries on that list and you could nearly put money on. It's just when it's going to happen. There will be a case in this country and hopefully if, if and when it happens that it'll be contained and that it certainly won't go 
the way it's gone in Italy where it is simply going out of control. Your thoughts welcomed 1850-333-103 and obviously what we touched on yesterday with the rugby uh, match. Are you very much, whose side are you with on the rugby match? Are you with the side of the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, saying the recommendation from the expert advisory group is cancel the match for the sake of public health and safety. Are you with the IRFU who, who at this stage, though I know they're going to the meeting, but to me, it doesn't seem like the IRFU want to cancel the match between Ireland and France. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. Coming up on the programme this morning, we'll be discussing frustrations about the constant water breaks in Ballinhasic, Halfway and Five Mile Bridge villages. Really, really frustrating for the people living there. And it's not something new. It's not something that's only happened in the last couple of months. It's been going on for quite some time and it's just unfair on the people living there and businesses. How are you expected to operate a business if you don't know on any particular day that you're going to turn your tap on and water is going to come out from it? We'll hear about a campaign. Um, or sorry, we're going to speak with the newly co-opted Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Ian Doyle. We mentioned that earlier in the week. Ian is taking over the chain of office from Christopher O'Sullivan. Christopher O'Sullivan was the mayor and should have been the mayor up to June. But of course, he got elected for West Cork as a TD. So he's no longer a councillor. So he's handed over the chain of office and it's Ian Doyle takes it up until June. So we'll chat with Ian on the programme. We hear about a new programme which is aimed at unemployed young people and it's going to see them live in the wilderness for seven days and it's kind of a reactivation programme. It's to get them reconnected again. These are people perhaps who fell out of education or finished education and haven't gone to work. People are in work and then fell out of work and have been out of work and can't find work and that that motivation that they need. This really is an exciting programme. It's seemingly from what I could gather from reading up on it yesterday it started I think in Edinburgh University it's the university in Limerick is introducing it they've done it in Limerick they're now hoping to do it in Cork so we're looking for Cork participants so for a young person listening out of work out of education we may have just the programme uh, for you and we'll give you details on the programme today and we're also going to celebrate that history was made in West Cork on Monday of this week when a private bus service the West Cork Connect uh, operated by the Long family um, they're running a service out of West Cork into Cork City. First time a private bus has been on that route in 83 years. It's just, it's terrific. It it really is great. So we'll find out more and find out how it's going. We're on to day three today. And it's Wednesday. What does that mean? Peter Dowdell will join us in the final hour of the programme answering all of your gardening questions. You can get those into us. 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Okay, some of your texts and commentary uh, coming in on the coronavirus. Audrey, simple out. Yes, they should cancel the rugby match. No questions asked. A listener says, Patricia, my son actually has tickets for that rugby match. He's already decided he's not going, whether they decide to cancel it or not. Uh, let's see what England will do with their St. Patrick's Day festivities, says another texter. What about the Cheltenham Festival? Cheltenham Festival is another one that they're saying could be uh, the, uh, anything where there's mass gatherings, such as the Cheltenham uh, Festival. 
Absolutely. If the coronavirus, I suppose, if it spreads in the United Kingdom and they get more cases, the decision could, could be taken to cancel it as well. And the cancelling of the rugby match, Donald says, for God's sake, are they going to ban the Italian ma- fans from coming over here and ban air travel altogether? So says Donald, who I'm assuming thinks it is overreaction to cancel the match. Uh, with regard to the coronavirus, says another texter, all public events should be cancelled. Full stop. Hospitals here have not got a hope. They can't cope on a daily basis. End of story. Without the coronavirus, can you imagine them trying to cope if there was an outbreak in this country? Someone else says, Patricia, what are the symptoms? Please would like to know a bit more about it. They don't seem to be telling us a lot. Thanking you. Well, it's kind of flu-like symptoms and I know it's high temperature and you know, for the majority of people you will get the coronavirus, if you were to get the coronavirus, it's like getting a bad dose of flu and you will survive it, but it's for people with a very low immune immune system uh, and uh, the young and the very old are are where the likely deaths are and where the deaths have uh, been. And actually talking about that, we're bringing a doctor on tomorrow. First thing tomorrow morning, um, we'll be talking with the doctor just to go through because there's a lot of people asking kind of questions like that, unsure. And what's the advice coming from from GPs, for example? So we'll speak with the GP on the programme this morning. Someone else says, what is the purpose of wearing those surgical masks? They, they, it seems it protects you. you know, there's somebody coughing and spluttering around you. The theory is that will stop you picking up the virus because it is, pass, it is airborne. It is person to person. But then I went pieces where it said the surgical mask is of little or no use to you at all so it's hard to know but people wear them in the belief that if they're out in public and they meet somebody who's got the coronavirus that it is in some way going to protect them someone else this is advice to Eileen who's got the holiday book to go to Spain in two weeks somebody said I would not go to Lourdes oh, sorry I would not go to Spain I've been to Lourdes already that's fine but I wouldn't go to Spain Amora says the IRFU are as bad as the GAA thinking of the not, even questioning not cancelling the match at the end of the day what is a match what is a match cancellation compared to saving lives poor St Patrick had an easy job with the snakes I don't think he would be as lucky with the coronavirus and that's from uh, Mora to 0862 103 103 some of your texts uh, in some of your calls in Noel in County Waterford said if the match does not go ahead does that mean all the St Patrick's Days will be stopped and all the ministers who go off on junkets to attend the St Patrick's Day around the world will they all have to stay at home says Noel John and Cove says everybody is panicking about the coronavirus but they need to come out and explain what the symptoms are so that people can be better informed as they say we'll do our bit tomorrow John and we'll bring a doctor on and Pat in Formoy went around all the chemists yesterday looking for surgical masks could not get one they were sold out he heard on radio yesterday that they're a waste of money that you still breathe in the virus even if you were wearing one yeah I did um, hear and read something similar myself thank you for that um, Pat uh, don't forget Billy Joel at some stage on the programme I'll play a Billy Joel track your chance to win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple Madison Square Garden on the 2nd of May return flights three nights in New York VIP tickets to see the great man himself you skip the line admission to the Empire State Building and we're also throwing in a three course dinner and drinks at a New York uh, restaurant at some stage this morning I will play Billy Joel when I play it you need to text WhatsApp 
Billy, along with your name and address to 0862 103 103. Make sure you've got that number saved in your phone so as soon as you hear the song, you can get texting or WhatsApping. But remember, you must be close by your phone because you may get a call if you are selected to join me on air, answer a simple question. And by doing that, you'll go through to the final. Billy Joel in the Big Apple with amigoloans.ie on Cork's greatest hit C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, according to Fine Gael councillor Aidan Lombard, two more water breakages have brought the villages of Ballinhasic, Halfway and Five Mile Bridge to their knees. To discuss his frustrations and indeed the frustrations felt by local people, I'm joined by uh, councillor Aidan Lombard. Good morning to Aidan. Good morning, Patricia. I, I, How are you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, was it not last April that this area was approved by Irish Water for nearly five kilometres of new water mains? Even before that, I, when I joined the council in 2015, I started talking about it. Um, Irish Water in 16 sanctioned 1.2 million for the water main, um, which was to go from Carrigaline all the way to the halfway. Now, they did some of the work in, in Ballygarvan and sorted that village, that village is pretty much dealt with. But the money was sanctioned, the design was done in, in, in 16. Um, and, and you know, last year then they said, that, yeah, they're going ahead with it again. They, they, they re-sanctioned it, I suppose. And they're on about doing design. But I mean, they told us in 16, the design was done, the money was there. And, and I, I just don't know what they're playing at. But, but I mean... The, the way it's affecting businesses in Balhasic uh, and Five Mile in particular is just incredible. I mean, take me back. How long? How long has it all been going on? Since since fifteen, really. But since sixteen, in, in two thousand sixteen, they sanctioned the money and they, they okay. said we had a design. They said we were good to go, and then they pulled the plug. And we've been fighting with them since. And then last year they came out and said the same thing. And we just want to know now where the water main is because there's businesses trying to make plans. You know, they, they're waking up every morning not knowing whether they have um, water or not. As restaurants, food processors, um, you know, it, it's just not near good enough. But when they sanction, when Irish Water sanction a, a particular job and they say, OK, 1.2 million, and does that not mean that the money is there and is that not money ring-fenced and put away and can only be spent on that project? Yeah, well, that, that's what should have happened. But, but obviously, they, they, they reallocated that money that time. I mean, some of the emails I got back in 16 were saying that they hadn't sanctioned it. No, I've emailed to say that they have. They, they absolutely promised that the water main was starting and that the design was complete and they were going for tender. So, and now they're talking, to be honest, rubbish because they're on about you know, design again. I mean, if they did the design in 16, the design is good in 2020. It doesn't, you know, yeah, a water main it, it, doesn't, it doesn't change. change. Yeah, yeah. You know. And literally all the breaks are because of old pipes. Is, it, is that the, yeah, the main the, problem? So therefore, every time there's a leak, Aidan, and there seems to be, I don't even know if anybody's done a head count on how many breaks there has been since 2015, there's obviously a cost to repair the break. Well, there is. And, and I, I estimate it's about 25 breaks in 16. And it's, I've asked Irish Water specifically the cost of each one of these breaks and they haven't responded. They come back with generics. But this isn't a generic because what happens in, in between Balhasic and Five Mile when the water break happens there is they have to close the road. 
And then there's a huge diversion put in place, which is destroying other minor roads. We are putting huge volumes of traffic um, onto these minor roads. So there's a big traffic management set up every time the break happens. So it's it's not a standard break. On top of that, it's it, it's a big trunk main. So this this water main used to be used um, as a backup, I suppose. So in the Shannon is feeds West Cork and. Uh, down towards Kinsale, mm. in Ascara feeds Carrigaline uh, and down into Ringeskiddy. If there was ever a problem, they could transfer large volumes of water from one system to the other. Okay. They can't do that now. Um, but this is a quite a big brain uh, um, uh, water main. It's, it's a strategic one, really, and they know that too. You know. And is, is it really having an adverse effect on, on businesses locally? It is. Look, you, if you're running a restaurant and employing 15 people, um, which some of these restaurants do, um, they're coming in in the morning hoping that they've water. Um, <sighs> you know, like, I've had businesses ringing me on a Sunday saying, you know, their peak day to try and make a few bob, and they've no water. Uh, like, we, we, we really developed a meeting in the council last Friday, we were on about broadband. And broadband is massively important, but, you know, and I'm very much welcome it, but these businesses aren't worried about broadband. Yeah, they need These water. don't have water. Yeah. And and we really need... Look, clearly we have a bigger problem in Ireland where we don't have enough investment into our water system and, and our wastewater system. And, and we, we, we need to correct that very rapidly. I mean, these pipes are in the ground 60 years. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they should have been done years ago. But, I mean, it's very annoying for local people that when the powers that be, in this case it's Irish Water, come in and they say, yeah, we've got a problem here, this needs to be sorted, and they make a promise in 2016, and here we are in 2020, and we're, we're still where we were almost in 2016. That's that's not, that's just wrong. That's what I've repeatedly said in the council. I said, look, we, as councillors, we're all reasonable people. You know, we all, and, and business people, and the house the householders are all reasonable. They just need to know what's happening. Now, they've been told twice that it's been done and Irish water of Renate. So, I mean, all we're asking them is to be straight with people. Tell us exactly what it is. There's businesses trying to make plans of, of to be honest, whether they're going to stay there or not. And, uh, and and those plans are dependent on Irish water. So Irish water, if they could have the courtesy to tell the people exactly what's happening. Um, I mean, that that's that's really what, what we need at this at this point is a, a real honest answer from Irish Water that's going to tell us exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and a quick, because, you know, while I can accept for businesses, it's it's incredible, but for householders, they must be getting very fed up with fears. That every, I mean, I can just imagine every time you get up in the morning, I was thinking, I had my lovely hot shower this morning, having that fear factor that my shower mightn't work because there's no water. Absolutely, and and... And because of the size of this main, it's it's never an easy fix. It's never, you know, out of water for two hours, you're out for 24 hours. You know, it's it's never, because of the big diversion that has to be put in place, um, it, it's never just a, sh- a short break for two hours and you're back. You know, it, it's a lot worse than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know... But but I think you know we we have a we have a huge problem really with Irish water. We we have a huge problem with the underinvestment. I mean, we're we're starting a, a development plan process now in the council, where you're in the middle of a housing crisis. We we'd love to to zone small sections of land in in a lot of our villages, and the, the fact of the matter is is 
we don't have any water or storage infrastructure in a lot of the villages. If you take the likes of Banlina Skeen or Banlaskaski or the halfway, there can be no house built there. That there's no storage system there. That there's no capacity there to build any more housing. And, and and to be honest, a lot of our development plan will will be massively restricted on what we can do because we just don't have have the capacity within the storage system. And that um, goes back to Irish Water not having the funds to do the work. It does. It does. We, yeah. Look, I mean, there's two things I have with Irish Water. One, I, I understand the funding. I do understand that that they that, that they, they need more money. There's absolutely no doubt about that, and everyone knows that. But, but back to the fantastic issue. You know, when you say something, you have to do it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, uh, that's So the ball now back in uh, in Irish Waters Court, and you're waiting on them to give just some kind of a time frame to these good yeah. people. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and to stop, you know, talking about design that's already done, to stop talking about figures of breakages that aren't correct. You know, that they're saying, I mean, you go to Banhassi or go to, to, to Five Mile and ask how, how many breaks. They, they told me in January that there was two breaks last year. No, there was two breaks over Christmas. Like, alone. Mm. You know, Irish Water just need to just get this together um, and stop kind of waffling on it, really. Okay. All right. Keep us informed, um, Aidan. In the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks Perfect. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Thanks for having that me. Bye bye. That is um, Carrie Galine. Uh, Municipal District Councillor Aidan uh, Lambert, 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, following the election of Christopher O'Sullivan as a TD for the Cork South West constituency in the recent general election, his role as Mayor of Cork County was filled this week by fellow Fianna Fáil councillor Ian Doyle from Charleville, who joins me on the programme. Uh, good morning to you, Ian, and uh, may I start by congratulating you? Good morning, Patricia, and thank you very much. Thank you. Are yeah, you thrilled yeah. to take thrilled. up this role? Absolutely thrilled. It's a, it's a huge honour, Patricia. Uh, you know, it was an honour six years ago to, to join the council's first first day and represent the people of North Cork, but certainly it culminated on, on Monday and being elected mayor of Cork County Mayor. So, yeah, thrilled, absolutely. And, w- and when you decided to make that step and go into politics and, and as you say, got elected uh, six years ago, did you ever see yourself in the role of mayor of Cork County? Oh God, never, Patricia. Yeah. Never. I, I, I made the point on on Monday that um, you know it was a new role for me coming into politics and coming into local elections. But I saw the opportunity. But certainly, every day you get up is something new and something good and something bad. But all of it's good, and it's an honour. And um, it's I'm thrilled to represent the people and also to represent Cork County Council at the minute. It's, it's very important. The, the chain I feel is twofold. It represents the people of Cork County, number one, you know, and, and the constituents of Cork County. But it also represents the huge work being done by Cork County Council on their behalf throughout the county as well. And we are, you know, the biggest county in Ireland. Yeah. And we have the biggest range of services in Ireland. And the biggest role in Ireland. So, yeah, it's a huge honour. Huge. And, you know, and the fact that we are the biggest county in Ireland, I think for any mayor of Cork County, geographically, the biggest area to cover, so it it will be very time consuming. I'm, I'm assuming it's it's almost a full time job. It, it is almost it is a full time job, but 
relationship. But to be honest with you, uh, the council is a full-time job and people don't realise it, but, he, you know, it is a full-time job. Um, and I'm sure Mayor, is, once we get into it now, will, will, will be a full-time job. Yeah. But yeah, looking forward to the challenge, certainly, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've seen the, we get emailed the diary of what the Mayor is, is getting yes. up to in, and you yes. will be zigzagging literally across, um, the, across the whole county. Yes, well, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. And you, you yeah. remain in place until June, is it? Well, the, the AGM would be on the last weekend in June, yeah, so I remain in place until then, yes, yeah. Okay, and uh, when you took over the chain, I know there was also four new councillors co-opted. There was, yeah, and I'd like to congratulate Sheila O'Callaghan, Deirdre Kelly, Anne-Marie Hearn and Ross O'Connell. Yeah, there they, they were four new uh, um, councillors co-opted because we had four sitting councillors elected on to Dáil Airden, which was a great honour for Cork County Council as well, you know, yeah. Is it always good to have new blood? It is a course, yeah. yeah. It is a course, and many of the, many of these councillors have, or many of these people, have been working in their communities up to now. Anyway, certainly, you know, and um, it was a great honour for them as well. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Some of them could go on to be TDs oh, in, into exactly, into yeah. the future. As, a lot of yeah. TDs have started yeah. started locally and went on to to national roles, like Christopher O'Sullivan, who's who's place you you are taking. Talking to national politics, Ian. No doubt oh, you're keeping a close eye on it. Are you yeah, hope, am, are you hopeful a government will will be I, formed? I'm, I, I'm certainly sure the government will be will be reformed at some stage. It will take a lot of negotiations. But, um, you know, I suppose every vote has got to be recognised and uh, and looked at. And I suppose the good of the country at the end of the day. And, you know, people certainly canvassing uh, here in Cork Northwest. People were looking for change, but they were also looking for stability. And, you know, everyone is talking about the health, the homelessness, uh, that, that crisis, the housing crisis uh, here in Cork County or funding crisis is a huge crisis for us, you know, so it's, it's, it's everybody in the interest to have a stable government for the next five years, certainly, and I, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain it will happen, yeah. You don't, you don't think we'll be back out with another election? I, 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 I couldn't see it, no, I, I don't think so, no, I think we have good negotiators on all sides that will, that will see a government to be put in place over the next, hopefully quicker than sooner rather than later. Can you, can you see your own party, Fianna Fáil, in power? I, I can, I can. can you? Okay. I can, I can, I can. I can. All right. Uh, I, just just on the point, Patricia, because it's just the, those four new... I mean, uh, I, we, my first function was for coach for national school yesterday to our national library or to our county library in Cork. And I was just explaining, you know, that the four young councillors were elected to, to, to Dáil Aaron. So, it's, it's a, you know, it's a great stepping stone. And I would encourage any young person to, to join politics and to join public life. And uh, Cork County Council or any county council, we've seen it throughout the county or the, the, uh, the country, is uh, you know it's it's a it's a breeding ground for good strong yeah, policies, yeah. political views, and it's it's great, it's great, yeah. But it's it's a tough job. It's a tough job. It's a it tough is, gig. It is, it is, it is, okay, it listen once again. Congratulations. We'll speak thanks. again, uh, Ian. But thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Yeah, good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Councillor Ian Doyle, who is now officially the mayor of Cork County. A number of people wanted to congratulate Councillor Ian Doyle as the new Mayor of Cork County including a lovely uh, WhatsApp in saying Hi Patricia, on Ian Doyle. He's the nicest kindest person one can meet. It's his poor family though. They'll never see him now that he's been elected Mayor. Anything he turns his hand to works. Uh, much, much uh, congratulations to uh, Ian and a number of other texts. Wanted to wish him all the best. 1850-333-103 we got to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way uh, in the next 
hour. We'll be looking at this new programme aimed at young unemployed people and it includes living for seven days in the wilderness. We'll find out more in the next hour. Your calls and texts are coming into us. An interesting one sent in by Dennis to say, Patricia, next month a company called MANA are going to start using drones to deliver Just Eat, Camille Tea and Ben and Jerry's ice cream to the UCD campus. With all the fears of the coronavirus, they're going to make a fortune, says Dennis. If you ended up in a situation where you were self isolated and you couldn't move outside your door. You could have drones delivering your food. So I checked into this company MANA and it's this new food drone delivery service. It's the world's first aviation grade drone delivery as a service platform and Dennis is right. It starts the operation from University College Dublin via the ordering and delivery platform Just Eat from next month. The plan is that MANA say that they will deliver to a large customer base and they are promising a sub three minute delivery from vendor to customer. The technology they say will transform online food marketplaces, restaurants and communities globally and they also say that they've been had tremendous help obviously from the Irish Aviation Authority if they're going to be sending drones all over the place and uh, they've been working with them to ensure that the drones are extremely safe uh, in all of their operating conditions and uh, MANA uh, who are an Irish based company now look forward to working with regulators around the world as they bring this innovative technology to customers across the globe and I saw a little video video clip of one of the drones and hanging out of the drone <laughs> somebody looks like a little box of a Chinese takeaway kind of thing and it's you know you'll, you'll obviously get a text message to say your your dinner's in the garden it's been delivered by your drone it's just incredible technology and I suppose it's way it's the way the future goes I know now I haven't seen this but I know I heard it's in operation in Australia they have a delivery service uh, I suppose a little computer delivery service it's, uh, they're called Eskies in, in Australia do you know those where you put your picnics in the freezer boxes where we would, which you take away your picnic like a little locked box like that but it's on wheels and it's got a little onboard computer on it and they deliver the food that way and it'll stop at traffic lights it knows to stop and it crosses at the pedestrian crossing and it knows the way to go and there's cameras and everything on it so it's you know the, so nobody can steal the stuff out of it and there's a special code when it gets uh, to the house and I thought that was incredible technology but drones obviously uh, the way to go and you know you you you, you kind of think when you see that kind of technology coming from MANA for delivering a food, is it the way it's going to go for parcels to be delivered and food, to, not just food, but it'll be parcels and letters and anything else that you might need? Will we be doing our shopping and as a drone is going to be dropping it off? It's just you worry, don't you, though, about with technology taking over, you would never want to see it and it, it's it's getting closer to it whereas it replaces humans doing the jobs I mean delivery people I mean if their drones take off look at all the delivery people that will be out of a job and that's where you always worry about jobs are going and technology is taking over but thank you for that Dennis I wasn't aware of that I'll keep a close eye on that drones delivering your food now some of you are still getting a lot of commentary in on coronavirus and also the rugby match and will the rugby match go ahead? Now, I've now been told that the rugby meeting between Minister of Health, still the Minister for Health in a caretaker capacity, Simon Harris, was to meet with the IRFU. We were told it was happening this morning. Now, I don't know why, but it's been it's been moved to this afternoon instead. So we certainly won't have any news on that and whether the IRFU are going to agree with what the Minister and the advice that the Minister has been given to cancel the match. So as of now, the Ireland 
Italy rugby match still hasn't been cancelled. It'll be up to the IRFU to cancel. So that meeting not going ahead until tomorrow. Many people, including Mary and Skibbereen, took the time to ring us to say she thinks that that match should be uh, cancelled. Timmy and Donnerwell says, will people in Ireland ever learn to put money second and health and safety first? Of course, says Timmy, this rugby match should be cancelled. He can't even understand whether there's any kind of a meeting going on today when the experts have advised to cancel. It should be cancelled immediately. And a WhatsApp or coronavirus, it is going to spread around other European countries a little or it is starting to spread around European countries a little faster than I thought. It's terrifying, says this texture. I thought that at this stage there would have been some sort of cure solution found. What is going to happen? When is it all going to stop? Says this uh, WhatsApper particularly worried about it. Those surgical masks that you mentioned, they wouldn't keep out uh, and I won't use that word, but wind from your rear end. And actually, I, I looked, I did a quick look online while the news was on because somebody's asking, you know, and surgical masks, we know, now know, are selling out. It's hard to get your hands on one. So I did a quick search to see, can a surgical mask protect you against the new coronavirus? And the regular surgical mask, according to... Uh, a leading doctor in infectious disease says the answer is no. He said a more specialised mask which is known as an N95 respirator that can protect against the new uh, coronavirus but the the respirator that mask he's talking about is thicker than a surgical mask but even as a doctor Specialising in infectious disease, he wouldn't be recommending it for uh, public use, certainly not at this stage. But the wearing of the masks, uh, simply no. Uh, People think it's people think it's going to help them. But uh, according to the experts, it's uh, not. Someone else says cancel the lot. That's all public gatherings, says this texture. Uh, Money seems to be more important than our health in this uh, country. And then, hi, Patricia. Lots of Irish people are returning from countries which already have the coronavirus. There is therefore a very real chance that the coronavirus is already in this country. Because remember, it can be two weeks before incubation, before somebody, and you're contagious during that two weeks, before somebody shows signs. So yes, I think this listener is probably right. It is probably already here. We should, says this texture, avoid mass rallies at all costs. Sinn Féin and Mary Lou MacDonald going around the country having mass rallies at this time. Surely that's very irresponsible and is showing poor leadership. Sinn Féin should put the health and safety of Irish people uh, first and not have what this listener feels is a recruitment uh, campaign. So let me update you on what's happening with Sinn Féin and Mary Lou MacDonald and the mass public meetings, mass rallies, and we're calling it, they're calling it public meetings, and what's happening with the government and how close are we to forming a, a government. I read in the papers today that the threat of a second general election continues to loom despite the Taoiseach Leader of Radker and the Fianna Fáil leader Micheál Martin meeting up yesterday to discuss government formation. Now immediately after the meeting it was Leo Varadkar who came out. He issued a statement saying and insisting that Fianna Gael are still preparing for opposition. He then went on to encourage Micheál Martin to form a government with other parties. So that to me is looking like Fianna Gael is pushing 
Fianna Fáil towards Sinn Féin. But then Fianna Fáil came out and, well, they didn't come out, but they told a private meeting with independents that a second general election could not be ruled out at this stage. So do you take it from that that Micheál Martin is still saying he doesn't want to work or talk with uh, Sinn Féin? And then this worried me. This is a, a piece written by Philip Ryan. Uh, a business section in the Irish Independent today saying UK and EU businesses have been pushing pressure on Fine Gael TDs to enter into government with Fianna Fáil. Several Fine Gael TDs have said they've been lobbied by businesses asking them to do a deal with Fianna Fáil in order to keep Sinn Féin out of government. And the emails which were sent by businesses are nearly identical in content. And that obviously would suggest and it's certainly leading some TDs to believe that there is some kind of an orchestrated lobbying campaign uh, from UK and EU businesses who do not want uh, Sinn Féin in uh, power. And Mary Lou MacDonald and the Sinn Féin machine is moving around the country. They were in Cork the night before last. They were in Dublin yesterday and Mary Lou an- announced that the barbarians are through the gates. This she was The latest Sinn Féin rally was in Dublin's Liberty Hall last night. Now seemingly before she even spoke, she received two standing ovations. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar's declaration that these rallies were the next phase in Sinn Féin's campaign of intimidation and bullying certainly, certainly just appears to be serving only to generate greater public interest in them. 500 people filled the auditorium in Dublin last night. Then there was an overflow area. Uh, it was also full. That was 15 minutes before proceedings even got underway. Seemingly the interest, such was the interest, Sinn Féin's finance spokesman, Pierce Doherty, ended up delivering an impromptu address up to for about 100 people who were outside the main entrance who simply couldn't uh, get in. So, and I did hear this yesterday, and sorry, I heard it this morning, I heard some of the people were being interviewed going into the, I was going into the meeting or coming out of the meeting. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, too sure because nobody seemed to give details of what was said at the meeting, but certainly people going into the meeting was asked why they were going in. And they were saying that there's been, because they've been hearing the likes of Leo Varadkar saying that this, the, these rallies are Sinn Féin's intimidation and bullying and was giving out about these rallies and they should be Sinn Féin and Mary Lou should be trying to form a government not going around rallying the troops uh, around the country. That because the, the big parties are giving out about what Mary Lou MacDonald is doing. Of course, what is it doing? It's just generating greater public interest and people are turning out, probably people who never would have gone to these meetings, but because they're hearing so much about it, heard there's a meeting locally and they've decided to go uh, instead. So it's, it, it, it's, it doesn't that always, as soon as I think we the Irish are told not to do something we're straight away going oh why are you telling us not to do that we need to look into that in uh, more detail but a listener feels because of coronavirus that that shouldn't be happening Uh, those meetings shouldn't be happening now and actually just let me stay on elections for a sec because I know I had we had a couple of calls in about this yesterday and I didn't know what the the calls we were getting yesterday what they were talking about and I needed to do a bit of research yesterday evening and then I discovered what it was it's to do with the new newly elected Social Democrat TD down in West Cork, uh, Holly Kearns and we got some calls in yesterday to say about some tweets that Holly had tweeted on uh, Twitter and that they were against the Catholic Church and in particular against Pope Francis in one tweet uh, where she called him the leader of a paedophile ring. So I mean I did a quick look and I couldn't find any of the tweets and I I couldn't work out what it was talking about. So it turns out it was a series of tweets that were posted by a much younger Holly Kearns back in 2012 and 2013. So 
seven, eight years ago. She has since come out and apologised for the tweets. I think all of the tweets has been taken down and she says I was much younger and there wasn't, they weren't the best advised tweets was what she said. I regret any offence caused. I took them down for that reason and I'm really sorry for any offence caused. And John O'Donovan who people will know he uh, regularly joins us on the comment line on the programme. He contacted, contacted us this morning to say he contacted Holly Kearns yesterday about those tweets and she said she apologised for the tweets. She said she was only 22 years of age at the time. But John says it does go to show how careful you need to be because a lot of these things can come back to bite you. Something that you put up that you think you're going to have a go with somebody and you're going to do something and something that you believe in when you're younger. And then as you get older and you get a little bit more mature and you see the world differently and we've all done, we can all look back on our youth and when we're young adults and think of things that we did that probably at the time wasn't the most sensible, wasn't the most appropriate. You kind of regret it now. But it's only when, you, when you're in sort of the public world like that, when you enter politics, can also come back to bite you for a job as well, I suppose, that you just need to. It's another reason when it comes to particularly social media where everybody needs to stop and think. So she has uh, apologised uh, for it. And um, I'm, I know a spokesperson for the Social Democrats also said those tweets seven years ago, Holly was much younger. Clearly, they weren't the best advised tweets. She, can, she sincerely regrets any offence she may ha- have caused. 1850 Bernie taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Farm operators are wanted for the Mallow and North Cork regions. While Deer Park Motors in Charleville, they're looking for a service manager with previous experience within a workshop environment, please. A mechanic is wanted. That's for work in the Mallow area, while a butcher stroke fishmonger required for Danos Supervalue in uh, Mallow. You'll get all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the Limerick Institute of Technology is rolling out a new programme called From Outdoors to Labour. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Market and it's aimed at young people who were out of education or full time employment and they're looking for participants from Cork. Joining me from LIT is Josh Prenderville, who is the communications officer. Good morning to you, Josh. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, I have to say that this really sounds like a very exciting programme. It involves the young people spending seven days in the Irish wilderness. Tell me a little bit more about it. Yeah, so I suppose, Patricia, just to give a bit of context, LIT um, here in in Limerick and and in Turles, we were lucky enough, um, I suppose, last year uh, to to, to be awarded funding um, to conduct this project called Fulham, which is from outdoors to the labour market along with partners in Poland and Spain. And really what it is, as you mentioned there, it's a pioneering outdoor learning initiative. And and the idea is that we're really trying to support as many young people as possible uh, who are out of full-time employment, training or education uh, to to be given the tools to return to employment or education or or, or start it in some cases um, in, in a very different way. So I suppose from outdoors to labour market, the, the, the name itself, uh, as it suggests, um, the, the idea is that young people who, who sign up to the programme will initially spend seven days uh, in the Irish wilderness. So that there has been an initial rollout in the Knockmeal Down Mountains, uh, for example. They spend seven days there. Uh, they learn skills, cooking, navigating, timekeeping. You know, you name it. You're, you're, you're really, uh, you're, you really learn things, I suppose, when you're spending seven days up a mountain that you don't learn uh, in the classroom, so to speak. And are, you then, suppose, ca- are you talking about, the, do they sleep out as well? Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're sleeping out, they're, they're cooking their own meals. And I suppose it's important to point out that while they're doing that, uh, there is a mentoring and, and coaching system okay. uh, that's taking place. So, so for example, you know, if, if there are any fears about returning to employment or education or anything like that, that the, the, the young people involved are encouraged to talk about that as well. So the idea really is that when they come back down from the mountain seven days after and then, then they begin their coaching and mentoring process um, with, with the qualified coaches, that they're really put on that road to, to contribute to whether it be back in the workplace or, or back to college or whatever the case may be. And great, I imagine, for team building because you're going to have to work together when you're out in the wilderness like that for a week? Well, well, that's it. I mean, the, the idea is the groups of around 10, because I suppose it's the classic, you, you, you don't want too few, but you, you don't want too many either. Mm. Um, so, so groups of around 10 um, up the mountain. And as you say, I mean, if, if young people are going back into to education or are back into the workplace, teamwork is going to be a huge part of that. And I suppose some of these young people who will be taking part in the programme maybe wouldn't have got the opportunity to work in a team environment like that before. Some of them certainly might not have got the opportunity to work outdoors. And I suppose that the reason that we're looking for participants in Cork in particular, I mean, that, that there's over 1,200 young people between the ages of 15 and 25 on the live register at the moment, you know, in areas 
uh, that, that yourselves would be familiar with, the likes of Clannacilty, Cove, Yall. You know, we, we, we know that, that there are people in those areas really looking for an opportunity, not just to get back into the workplace or back into education, but to do something a bit different, uh, to, to make friends, to learn new skills, and as I suppose, have something different on that CV that might stand out to an employer. Absolutely, it's it's it's. Fa- I love it's it's so innovative. It's 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 fantastic. Now, the the practical side of it is the program free. They to pay. Abs- absolutely, it's it's one hundred percent free. Um, I suppose, as I say, you have to meet the criteria and be between eighteen and twenty nine and out of full time employment or education. But but after that, we're really you know we're we're happy to hear from anyone who who might wish to get involved. You know, I mean, we we're we're over social media, follow Ireland. FOLM, um, you can sign up via our website as well, and, and, and really that is the criteria, you know, it, it, it's not a, a huge amount of detail we're looking for, it is free, and as, as I say once um, you're out of employment or education in between those ages, um, we're happy to hear from you. And would they hold on to their benefits for the week? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I mean they're, they're as I said, they're, they're up in the mountain um, they're supplied with the food and equipment and everything like that, okay. but as I say, once once they do come down, um, they are, they do begin begin that coaching phase. But w- whatever they are, uh, they, they are you know I suppose getting a, at that point that you know that will continue. Okay. Until, until of course they do end up back in employment. Or and that and that is the whole plan. And what do you believe are the biggest challenges facing young people who find themselves either out of education or out of work? Well, I, I think the big thing, you know, that the, the we've heard in our feedback from some of the initial groups that would have been up the knock meal downs, as I say, here in the Midwest, um, you know, I, I think being on the live register, being considered unemployed or out of education as a young person, the, their confidence c- can sometimes be at quite a low level. Yeah. And I, I suppose, again, the, the University of Edinburgh would have conducted significant research um, before, you know, we began this programme in outdoor learning. And I suppose that's a key point of it, that not only uh, does the outdoor learning model build that confidence but it improves mental health no end you know I mean we're hearing stories every day of uh, young people facing mental health challenges and and, and there's a a huge array of challenges um, facing young people these these days but I I think the seven days of without the phone you know without the screens without the 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 worries of of, of everyday life if you like you know they're out in the open they have to fend for themselves that they have to be part of a team all at the same time and I suppose it just it just shows them this this whole new dynamic of life. They maybe they maybe haven't tapped into it. It's a part of their mind that they might not have tapped into before. You know, it, it maybe gives them a, a chance to be independent where they hadn't necessarily uh, been independent before. And I suppose the opportunity to challenge themselves. You know, I I think that's a, that's a massive thing uh, with, with young people. You know, I, I'm not out of education long myself, and you know, I I know that that was something that I always wanted to do was was challenge myself. Um, and I, I know that people out of young people out of employment or education, you know, they, they don't want it to be handed things. They, they, they want to be able to challenge themselves and say, you know what, I did that. Mm-hmm. I spent seven days up there. And that's something that a lot of other people may not have done. Uh, you take the phones. Are the phones gone completely for the week? The phones are gone, yeah. Oh. I mean, generally, obviously, if there's, if there's an emergency, obviously, or, or anything like that, God, for, God forbid, um, you know that the, then obviously well, the leader, the team leaders people. can be can be contacted. It, it, is that is exactly, that but is that a problem for some of them to give up the phones? Not really. I mean, oh, okay. look, initially, I, th- I think all of us initially, no matter what age we are, if we were told hand hand the phone over for the week, we might have an initial kind of oh, not not sure about <laughs> that. We're we're finding that literally after after a number of hours. I mean, it, it's just encouraging people to talk. You know, skills that sound basic to to, to maybe you or I. 
Um, but for those that are slightly younger, maybe, you know, those skills maybe aren't as developed. And then suddenly after a day or two, you know, they're, they're not thinking about the phone well at done. all. They're thinking, well done. They're, t- they're thinking about maybe, you know, what are we going to cook for the next meal tonight? How are we going to get from point A to point B? And as I say, I suppose it is important to point out that the, the seven days up the mountain, wherever it may be, is not the end. It's only the beginning of the programme. Okay. It's the beginning of that transition really from education to employment because the participants are given a mentor or a coach, if you like, that helps them with interview preparation, uh, CV preparation. And we are uh, aiming to partner with businesses in the Midwest and in the Munster area, including Cork as well, to to hopefully... uh, And what sort of success rate have you had on previous programmes? Well, as I say, we're literally only just rolling it out. Oh, this is the the first... have 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 you done one already? Yeah, we've had an initial uh, mountain, uh, I suppose, expedition of uh, a, a very small group in, in the Midwest okay. of the Knockmeal Down Mountains, and they're now in the phase where they are being mentored and coached. Oh, okay, okay, it's it's and, that new. It's it's yeah, it's absolutely. that new. Okay, I mean, just to, just to give you one example, we I was speaking to one person in particular who was on that sort of first expedition. He'd had addiction issues. He'd he'd fallen out of out of education in college. He's now due to, to begin studying in Galway to become a woodwork teacher. He's volunteering with the blind in his locality and is due to walk the, the Camino de Santiago in Spain My this summer to, goodness. To, to raise money for them. So, you know, his life has essentially been turned around where he, he thought that he's hit a wall, you know. And as I say, he, he's made friends, you know, he's, he's had this coaching, this mentoring. And, and thankfully, he's in a position to, to be able to contribute massively to not only his own personal circumstances, but the society as well, which That's is brilliant. the whole aim of the project. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. And I'm assuming from the way you're talking, Josh, the plan is is to run many more of these programmes. Absolutely. Well, the, the, the aim, um, the, the project caters for 330 young people. Um, so obviously, we're, we're aiming to, to, to hit that first. Our initial expeditions were hoping uh, to take place in early March okay. and then throughout April. Obviously, there the, the will be uh, possible weather factors and all the rest of it taken into that. But we very much want to hear from young people in Cork in particular, as I say. I mean, there, there's a massive cohort of young people, over 1,200 on the live register there. And, you know, why not try and do something different? Stick away the phone for a week. Yeah. Uh, go, go up a mountain. And I suppose it's important to point out as well that any expeditions that are held in Cork would be held locally in Cork as well. They wouldn't have to travel to Limerick or, or Tipperary or anything like that. We, we do our very best to, to cater for a group in Cork if the demand was there as well. You know? Okay, okay. And of course, we know whenever we talk about unemployment figures, and it, it's great, we're getting very close to full employment in this country, and that's terrific. But they, what always stands out in the unemployment figures month on month is the youth unemployment. Yeah, and I suppose even last month, you know, um, figures from the CSO would say that it, it's still around 12%, yeah. which is, you know, you're talking nearly one in eight young people um, in, in their sort of late teens, early 20s that are in that unemployment stage. And, you know, as you say, appreciate that we are in the stages of, of full employment, I suppose, in, in terms of all demographics. But for a young person, as I say, that, you know, whether it's being in college or whether it's that first job, it forms a huge part of their identity. Uh, and I suppose, again, that, that's going back to the programme. That's exactly what we're looking to do. We're, we're looking to, I suppose, form and shape that identity and, and, and allow them to maybe express themselves in a way that they haven't been able to before. Because, you know, hopping onto that ladder, it, it, it's like anything. The first step is always the hardest, isn't it? Whether, whether it's employment or education yeah, or whatever yeah. it may be. And there's some people, you know, that they might have decided they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do when they left school. They might have fallen on, on hard times for whatever reason it may be. But wh- whatever the background, 
you know, our, our mission is, is basically to make sure that these young people, I suppose, are, 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 are you know, contributing to society again and, and making the most of, uh, of themselves because we know that they have a huge amount to contribute, you know, and it, it, it's great when they have been up the mountain initially in, in the knock meal down, you know, they might be initially quiet for the first couple of hours. As I mentioned, the phone is is gone away, but over the few days, the, how how the personality develops and and how they all develop together as a group, it, it's quite. I imagine great friendships get formed Friends, in that friend, seven week, seven days. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I suppose if you if you and I went up the knock meal down for seven days, we'd, That's it. we'd hopefully we'd hopefully be friends after. Well, hopefully, so yeah, we'll hopefully we're still yeah. speaking <laughs> and we'd like each other at the at the but end. No, of but, it. But, but I just think but, that team building of all being together, you know, it just it brings out the best. It can bring out the worst in people, but it brings out the best in people as well. well Absolutely, um, and as I say, if you know, if if you've been, uh, for example, and this is, this is what happens, tasks I suppose are delegated. So I might be timekeeping for the day for, for for the twelve hour day, and then I go back to camp. But because I've been timekeeping, my my friend beside me, you know, cooks my meal or whatever the case may be, and it might be the the opposite way around uh, the, the following day as well. Brilliant. So as I say. Okay. Uh, as, you're, as I you're say, fun, you know, you're we really, we really want to find young people from Cork. We, you know, we, we think Cork is a, is, a, is a massive area for us to tap into. How can people contact you, Josh? Well, we're, we're on all forms of social media. Okay. Fulham Ireland, um, F O L M underscore Ireland. Um, Fulham F O L M at lit.ie and Fulham F O L M web dot com as well, where you can sign up. Okay, and you want people to sign up sooner rather than later because you want to get that that uh, Cork crew underway as quickly absolutely, as possible. And absolutely. aged between eighteen and twenty nine. Uh, Josh, we'll speak again because I think it's a fascinating program. Good luck with it, and thanks a million for sharing it with us in the program today. Thanks a million, Patricia. Good Take morning care. to Thanks you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is Josh Prendival from LIT Communications Officer with that program from Outdoors to Labour Market. 18 to 29 year olds. If you're listening, you're in that age group, you're out of education, you're out of work, why not give it a try? Or if you have someone in the household not listening to us, maybe have the conversation with them uh, later on when they come home. 1850 You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Last Monday marked a significant day for the people of West Cork because for the first time in 83 years, a private coach company once again operated a daily bus service from Skibbereen right through to Cork City. The owner of West Cork Connect, Damien Long, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Damien. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. Now, pardon the pun, but this has been a long journey for you. Remind us of what you had to go to in order to secure the licence. I suppose we started a few years ago um, where we put in an application to ask the National Transport Authority would they allow us to run a bus daily from Skibbereen to Cork um, up and down. But unfortunately, at first, they wouldn't because they said it would be competing with, 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 the, with the government service that's already there. So... Eventually, they, they they came back to us and, and said, "Look, we'll give you a go. Have a try off it, and these are the times, and 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 go from there." So it's it's been a long process, a lot of paperwork. I can tell you that much. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. We're here now, anyway. Finally, <laughs> finally underway. Now, how many journeys a day are you making, and where are you stopping along the way? So we do three three up from West Cork and three from Cork back down to Skibbereen daily. So we pick up in every town from Skibbereen. Uh, Lepros, Carberry, Clannacilty, Balanskarty, Bandon, in the Shannon, all the way into Cork, and we drop at uh, 
the hospital, the CUH, we drop at Western Road for people going to UCC. We drop in the in the city centre in Grand Parade, and then we drop our last drop is um, beside Air Coach on Patrick's Key there for anybody who's getting a connection onto Dublin or even Limerick with City Link and onto um, or Waterford with Dublin Coach. We we connect with everybody there, and then you pick up and start all over again and head back the same direction. Head, head back the same direction. Yeah. And it's fantastic the way because you, you stop at the hospital so that will facilitate people who've got appointments at the hospital. Yeah, we find the hospital. Actually, I've been on it since Monday and we find the hospital is the, is the busiest of them all. It's the amount of people travelling from West Cork. I'm known, you know, not, not just patients but, but people working there. There's a lot of West Cork well, people yeah. working in the hospital every day. So, and and, great. And, you, and you start early in the morning? We do. We do a quarter past six um in, in Skibbereen, um, and I'll tell you, like, we, we leave Skibbereen at quarter past six and we drop at the hospital in Carcass, 20 minutes to eight. Brilliant. That's so brilliant. It, that gets, and so it gets people in in time for work and, as you mentioned, college. It does. It's amazing, Patricia. Like, the 20 minutes extra earlier that we leave actually nearly saves you 45 minutes in traffic. We just beat that traffic in the morning, <laughs> just, just ahead of it. Like. I know, I know. And, and, it, and it's seven days a week. Seven days a week, yeah. Seven days. So every, every day, yeah, we... Uh, so we started last month uh, for the seven days. We've got a, a new bus. We've got two brand new um, 2020 buses just registered last Friday. So Brilliant. Um, and and so the big, of course, they're advantage... All, yeah, they're, four, they're, they're all which? 55-seaters and we have uh, okay. USB chargers, free Wi-Fi on board and all that as well. And look, we have um, we have all modern technology gone into it because we can take card payment, tap of a card, getting on. You can book online or you can just walk on at the bus stop and, and pay cash as well. So look, it's great. We've, we've kind of put everything, we've t- we, we were so long looking for it, we said we'd stack the right way, you know. Yeah, well, well done. And your fares are very reasonably priced. I mean, that's what everybody's talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah, we are. Look, we, we're, we're, I suppose, we're, people say it's reasonable, but I say, I, I say we're realistic. You know, our prices, okay. are, our prices are realistic. And like people in, we've known us a lot now in Bandon where they take the Leap card because the Leap card has only come as far as Bandon for people. Nobody in Clan or West of that can use the leap card, so um, like everybody thought they were saving a lot in the leap card. I mean, I think if you have a leap card, you can for a student you can get into Cork for five euros seventy. But with us, you can go to Cork for four euros from Bendham. So it's you're actually it's paying even cheaper than the, than the leap card. Now. And as you say, they, very cheap. everyone going beyond that and can't get the leap card. No, they're not allowed yeah. to use it. I mean, the, the government wouldn't give them the anybody beyond Bendham the use of the leap card. So like, if you're going from Skibbereen up to Cork now as an adult the normal fare would be 32 euros whether we do it for 18 return normally it would be 32 euros and for a student it's only 14 euros and if they buy a 10 day pass um, it'll only cost them 12 euros a day to Well done, well done. So, so you're offering reduced rates for students do you take the travel pass? We do we take the free travel Brilliant well, yeah. Brilliant yeah, we, we were we had to, we had to uh, apply for that and that took a bit of time but no we, we just got in time to start so we take take the free travel as well so. And you're on to day three. How's it been going so far? It's brilliant. Actually. Is it? Uh, it's great. It's every time we get to the bus stop, load there's more and more, and it's it's um, it's brilliant. The, the the response has been it's outweighed our expectations unbelievably. I mean, we buses are we're getting a bit worried at this stage because buses are starting <laughs> to fill up. And I'm, I'm looking to we we'll be going to second ones fairly soon on each run by the looks of it. But look. We'll, we'll slow and steady will get us there. We'll be fine. And have you any plans to run, say, late buses, you know, for special occasions like concerts or sporting we fixtures? Yeah, we have actually have, we have a late bus service starting for the whole summer for every event of plan in Cork. So 
for everything the lives marquee for everything on an Irish independent park and they're all the big ones even Westlife on now in, in Parky Keeve yeah. you will be able to travel up on the bus three times a day on the tra- any of the services up and we'll do a special back down brilliant. from That's Cork brilliant. at 11 at half 11 that night when everything finishes That's so, going to prove extremely popular for people the amount of people uh, messaging and asking about it already it's, it's <laughs> going to be huge because you can't get out of the city after a concert it's no, really no it is hard and um, no it's it's good and our bantry service uh, we, we, we got the final notification of the licence for that just uh, last week just to say that it was it was all ready that we could start it so uh, we'll be we'll, we, we'll start that we're just going to start that at the end of April maybe the start of May we'll just get a find our feet here first and, um, and, and, and get going from that for that And Damien what has the reaction been like locally? Um, I suppose the, the reaction locally Everyone you meet, like people are saying, this is this is so needed. This has been needed for so long, and I mean, it's like I, even for people that are in Cork, the amount of people that that when, when we said we had the license, we couldn't get over people ringing us saying, you know, we've been standing outside a hospital, we've been there all day, and all of a sudden the service that's already there has passed with bus full written on it, yeah. and yeah. they had no one to ring. You couldn't pick up a phone and ring, and I suppose that's the difference with us. We're we're a family-run service, and we're always at the end of a phone. We're always at the end of something. And the big thing with us is we've put in a live tracker on the bus, so every customer can see where we are at all times to our app. So, like, if we if you're standing at the bus stop, you'll you can, know. You, you can see you can see it coming out. You yeah, can because it will get delayed. It will get caught up in traffic. But these two people know it's five minutes yeah. away. It's on the way. People are fine. Yeah. It's when people don't know. It's that not frustration no, sets in. It is, and like we found out with people, they were saying, "Look, they, the buses were full. Bus would pass, but you don't know will there be a second one? Is there actually going to be one? You know, and you're standing there. At least, look. There's one thing we'll guarantee: we won't we won't leave people behind. Like if there's going to be enough people, and we can see it on online bookings, we'll just put our second bus on straight away, and it'll be behind. But people can track it, and they will know that it's there. Now, and the other thing for us as well, the advantage we have is if you book online. Your seat is guaranteed. It's like an air. It's, it's, okay. It's, it's like an airport or, 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 or on the tr- or on the train when people book a train. seat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, your your seat is guaranteed the minute it's booked. Okay, no that's good to you. So that's one great thing as well. And you so. mentioned it's a family-run uh, business. When, when I saw that you were live and up and running on on Monday, uh, David, yeah. your, your dad. I know he he passed away, Dave, in, in two thousand and three. Yeah. God, yeah. but he'd be proud this week, wouldn't okay. he? They would as well. As well. My mother is still, um, my mother still is still well involved in the brilliant. business as well. They started back in 1969. The two of them, and uh, they've been brilliant. They've been brilliant all along. And my mother, my mother is excellent as well. Oh, they wouldn't be here now. Well done, well done, Pass on my best wishes, um, uh, my best wish, uh, kind regards uh, to her. Okay, onwards and upwards. It's fantastic, and and we couldn't let the moment pass and the week pass without having you on. Just to wish you all the best. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks a million, Damien. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That's uh, the lovely Damien Long and the business. Uh, we wish um, the many, many years of success. West Cork Connect. I just think it's staggering. It's, t- it's taken 80 years for a private company back out on the roads of West Cork, bringing people into the city. It's it's brilliant and we're encouraging people to use that uh, service because so many people were given out that they didn't have uh, a reliable service and that it wasn't there. There wasn't enough times that suited to get to work or to get to to school, to college, whatever it is, it's now there. So the best of luck to everybody involved uh, with West Cork Connect. 1850 333 103. 
C103 playing Billy Joel's and tell her about it. I can see the text message machine and the WhatsApp machine going mad. Get texting. It'll be a little after 12 if you've entered and we select your telephone number. Keep your phone on because you'll be getting a call from me to answer a very quick question. Also keep your gardening questions coming in because Peter Dowdle is going to be joining us after half past twelve today. If you have a gardening question for Peter, you can give Bernie a call 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp your gardening questions to 0862 103-103. We're talking about a weekend away in New York. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. VIP style. With AmigoLoans.ie on C103. Now, a lot of people texting in when I played Billy Joel L in the last hour and we have randomly selected one of our texters and I'm told it's David Power from Ballinora. Good afternoon to you, David. Hi, Patricia. You? I'm not too bad. How's everybody in Ballinora today? Oh, happy out. It's cold though. Ah, keep moving and you won't be cold. That's that's the way to do it. You you would fancy a weekend in New York? I would. Are you a Billy Joel fan? Uh, I'd listen to a bit of his Would you? <laughs> but a weekend in New York certainly would, would, would oh, appeal God, to you. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what I want. Have you been there before? Never, no, no, no. no. Okay, we have a question for you. Now, you're, you see, you're declaring you're not a Billy Joel fan, but hopefully you'll know the answer to this. Bearing in mind, the man is going to be on stage. So he's got to be reasonably fit to get up there. We want to know, how old is Billy Joel? Is he A, 80 or B, 70? Um, how old is Billy I Joel? He is 70. He is 70. You need to do this. I'll eventually get that sound effect in at the right time. Uh, well done and congratulations to you, uh, Dave. You have qualified for this programme for today. You go forward to the grand uh, final. You are one step closer. Do you, ha- you have a passport up to date and all of that? Oh, I, have. I, have. I have. And the question I've got to ask everybody, who would you bring with you? Uh, whoever's my favourite month. Oh, you haven't decided yet? I haven't decided. No, oh. no, no. Whoever, whoever's really nice to me. Okay, David Power, family and friends, start being nice. He could be <laughs> heading to New York. Congratulations, David. Thank you for that. Perfectly. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Good afternoon to you. Bye-bye. David Power, Ballinora, uh, our latest uh, qualifier. We'll do it all over again this afternoon with Nick Richards and then we'll do it again with Martina and we'll do it again with uh, Eric. Your chance to see Billy Joel in the Big Apple with amigaloans.ie on Cork's Greatest Hits C103. 1850-333-103 Our phone lines are open. We are particularly looking for your gardening questions, please. As Peter Dowdle is going to join us after half past 12 today. You can also text and a WhatsApp. I was uh, kind of putting people off texting or WhatsApping while all the Billy all the Billy texts were coming in. But it's free now if you want to get a text or a WhatsApp into us with a question for Peter. Now, I will go through some of your commentary coming into the programme on all of the different issues we have been discussing this morning and some completely random ones as well. But before I do that, I just want to acknowledge a lovely email that we received this week from a lovely lady by the name of Noelle, who wrote to us because she said, and I'll read her email, says, I rarely go out, but I went to the library to get library online. We 
This is Noelle and her husband, Derek, were walking back to Riverview in Bandon. As I'm a wheelchair user, we had to look out for low footpaths so that we could go up and get off the footpath, get onto the footpath. We crossed the road quite quickly, but Derek, my husband, didn't see that there was a hole in the road. I was thrown completely out of the chair. And because it all happened so quickly and I didn't see it coming, I wasn't quick enough to put my hands out to save myself. My poor husband, Dave, was in total shock. But then four or five people rushed over to our aid. They put me back in my wheelchair and kept asking me, are you OK? Are you sure you're OK? One of them even walked us all the way back to Riverview carrying my crutch. I just want to publicly thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping and helping us. Less people are afraid to stop and get involved. But immediately these people rushed to her aid. Now, I just don't know when this happened, uh, was it? It may have been on Saturday, it may have been at the weekend because it was on it was on Sunday and it was on Monday morning that we received it. We just wanted to check some of the details with Noel before we before we read it out. But anyway, I'm sure people listening would have remembered it uh, last weekend or whenever it happened. If you were one of those people that went along and it's just straight away people rushing to help out this, this couple, you know, to see somebody like that get toppled out of a wheelchair, just dreadful fright. I can understand why Noel's poor husband, Derek, was in such shock. He was trying to mind her and get her onto the footpath and get her off the footpath. But when we spoke to Noel, she just made the point that for a wheelchair user, the footpaths in Bandon, she said, are really very, very bad and the roads are full of potholes. So you're trying to negotiate. I mean, it's difficult enough to be a wheelchair user and to be a carer, you know, which obviously Derek is when he's out and about with Noel, trying to negotiate, trying to, you know, get her in and out to the library. And I mean, it's awful to think that she starts her email saying, I rarely go out. And then the one time she decides to go out, that something like that could, could happen. And I really hope, uh, Noel, that it doesn't knock your confidence or it doesn't knock Derek's confidence to take you out. Uh, again, it was just very unfortunate what happened. But well done to the good, kind people who happened to be in, in Bandon that day and who helped out Noel and uh, Derek. That we have such gorgeous, kind people living in this city and county and long may that continue. So I just want to acknowledge that and thank you, Noel, for contacting us. 1850-333-103. Now, we were speaking with the Mayor of Cork County, the newly co-opted Mayor of Cork County, uh, Ian Doyle, in the last, or earlier in the programme. And I mentioned, because we get emailed in a copy of the Mayor's Diary and it'll go through all of the various functions and events that the county mayor has to attend. And it's such a large county. I mean, they're literally zigzagging all over the county. It's, you know, that's why I said to him, it really is, is a full-time job to honour all of the commitments when you take on that role as mayor of the county. Well, that prompted JJ in, and by the way, Ian Doyle says he looks forward to that, looks forward to meeting all the different community groups, but it prompted JJ in North Court to contact us to say he has never once seen a county mayor visit his hometown of Butterfield. He says he's been living in Butterfield for 70 years and he reckons the county mayor has never visited Butterfield. He feels all of the all that the county mayor should visit all of the local community councils. Now, and I give it, I'm sure a county mayor at some stage must have visited uh, Butterfield. So we'll see if anybody listening, any of the elected representatives, any of the local councillors from that area are people who were uh, elected, Tom Shea in, in uh, Butterfield, anyone who was elected in that area would know or know of a county mayor. Did a county mayor ever visit 
the town of Bottevant. Let us know, please. JJ Parol, JJ reckons he's never seen a county mayor in the town. 1850 Jim in Middleton was on to us to say he has received three phone calls to his landline. It's, it's from, he says, an 052 uh, number, which is South Tipperary. It's a number I know well. He says, the, it says when he answers the call, they're saying the money was taken from my account. It's one of those automated voices. It's a scam. I don't know if you have a smartphone, if it's on your mobile phone, try blocking it. But it absolutely is a scam. Do not entertain them at all. And when you you now know what the number is, just don't answer. They'll soon get fed up of calling you. And they're not calling it. It's computer generated as well. But yes, absolutely, that is a uh, scam. Now, on Holly Carnes, and I mentioned this earlier, the newly elected Social Democrat who for West Cork, who has regretted any offence caused by a number of old Twitter posts, including one where she called Pope Francis the leader of a paedophile ring and they were sent seven or eight years ago and they've since been removed from her Twitter account and she, when she was contacted for comment about these tweets she said that she was much younger she admitted straight away that they weren't the best advised tweets and she said she regretted any offence caused. She took them down for that reason and she went on to say she's extremely sorry for any offence caused. We've had a couple of people on about that, including one listener says. So, we can forgive Holly Carnes for insulting our Pope because it happened seven or eight years ago, but if a Sinn Féin person tweets something that they tweeted ten years ago, and even if they're not a TD at the time, they're run down like dirt. What's the difference? There's still no change, according to this listener. And of course, Holly Kearns wasn't the only newly elected TD who had to contend with controversy over social media posts. There was actually, there was, it was other, it was Sinn Féin newly elected TDs. One was a lady by the name of Riada Cronin. She apologised unreservedly and wholeheartedly to those offended by a number of tweets when she used offensive language. She was questioning the fluoridation of the public water supply and linked it to, and linked Israel to Nazism. She came out and apologised. And then there was another newly elected Sinn Féin TD, a lady by the name of Violet Ann Wynne. She was revealed to have expressed strong opposition to the HPV and other vaccinations in a series of social media posts and the Sinn Féin press office came out and said that Miss Wynne's comments were old remarks and didn't reflect Sinn Féin policy. So there's a number of people uh, these posts are coming back to bite. But that prompted Michael and Tipperary to contact us about what Holly Carnes and the other TDs said. And he makes the point, we're all a work in progress. And life is not over until it's over. What Holly Karn said when she was young should not define her. So he can understand people forgiving her. And particularly when she came out, I think it would be very different if any of those TDs who made any of those comments came out and said, well, I stand 100% by them and people disagreed to them. I think that would be very different. But I think for people to come out and say, look, I'm really sorry for any offence I caused. I was younger at the, at the time. And I think that's, well put, Michael. We're all a work in progress and when we were younger we all made uh, mistakes. Thank you for your call, Michael. John in Mallow says a lot of household rubbish has been dumped near Anakisha Church. He says it's causing the road to flood when it rains. Why? The rubbish has actually blocked the drains. He said people are driving very fast also on that road and he's fearful somebody's going to be killed if the drains are unblocked because if the water floods and somebody drives very quickly through it. And you know that, what do they call it? Aqua 
planing, isn't it? You know, where you literally shoot over the top of the water, the car skims over the top of the water and people have been killed uh, from that. Now, I don't know, John, you contacted us. Has anybody gotten onto the council? Have you reported it locally to the council and point out exactly where it is? Because maybe they're unaware that the drains are blocked. But shameful if they're blocked for the reason that John is stating because people are dumping household rubbish. Goodness me. 1850 Mary in Moscarbury says, the bus that you spoke about, West Cork Connect, does that take people with the free bus travel pass? It does. It absolutely does. I mean, Damien had to go away and they had to get the licence to run the operation and dot all the I's, cross all the T's and it just took for, for ages and they were turned down initially but they kept knocking at the door. They eventually got it up and running but that was another battle that they had to overcome uh, so that they, because that's done through the Department of Social Protection. So yes, you can, if you have your free travel pass, you can use that bus as well which is uh, terrific and it's just, it's the frequency of the bus. I mean, the bus, Aaron bus is still there but the West Cork Connect bus for people who don't have free travel is cheaper and it's the frequency of the times and that the fact that it starts out at quarter past six in the morning is getting people into the city very early indeed. And Mary in Middleton says you're another oh, you're another Marion Finucane. Thank you. Uh, God I wish I was Margaret but I, I will accept that compliment from you. Thank you very much. And we have the results by the way of if you've been if you follow us on Instagram you may have seen we put up an Instagram poll earlier in the week in advance of the week that was in it because today of course is the is the start of Lent and today is Ash Wednesday so we were wondering amongst ourselves we were chatting in the office and we were talking about Lent coming up and I kind of said anybody thinking of doing anything for Lent or has anybody given up anything uh, for Lent and I have to say rather than give up anything for Lent I started this a number of years ago you set aside a bag and for the 40 days of Lent you put an item into the bag that you donate to the charity shop and the idea is at the end of Lent you'll have a bag with 40 items uh, in it or if you want to offload it halfway through Lent with 20 items and drop it into the charity shop it's a fantastic thing to do you'll feel really good about yourself by the way at the end of it as well it's a great way to have a clear out at the same time so that's something that I've certainly been doing for um, for a good while now and I normally give up something like crisps because they're my big I love crisps of anything salty like crisps so I'll give up crisps uh, for Lent as well that's that's my little contribution but I was just wondering do many people still give up items uh, for Lent is it a kind of a dying tradition or not so we put it up on as an Instagram poll just to try and get a feeling of what Lent it's kind of split down the middle. When we asked people, would you be giving up something for Lent this year? 53% said yes and 47% said no. So it's like almost, almost 50-50. So if you're, are you giving up something for Lent? Is it something you still do? Do children still give up something for Lent uh, or not? Uh, I wonder, is it, is it, is it a dying tradition? Or where, where are you at? Are you in the middle with it? Are you in the 47% who don't give up or are the other side, the 53% that do? 1850 333 103. Uh, let us know. And, and, uh, Saddened. Thank you for this. Somebody sent me in a picture this morning of a baby seal on Inchidani Beach this morning. And looking at the picture, I didn't know because it looks, you know, it's a fully formed, fine size seal. And I was, and I just, it was came in on WhatsApp. So I was able to, WhatsApp is great because I can message the person back. So I just gave a quick message back saying, is, is it okay? Is the seal okay? And unfortunately, the person has come back and said, no, RIP. It's, uh, and I, I don't know what happened to the seal, but it's sad, sad to see. And I, and I don't know what happens. Does that just get washed back out to sea or does it get taken away? I don't, I don't quite know what happens when an, an animal like that is lying dead just to see, I'm assuming it could get washed back out with the tide. But that's sad to see. Thank you 
whoever there's no name on that particular text our WhatsApp 1850 get your gardening questions into us please Bernie's taking them you can text or you can uh, WhatsApp 0862 103 103 With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie Jake Carter is back in Kinsale this weekend it's for the musical The White Lady of Kinsale it's on at 8pm nightly in Kinsale Community School and it is on tonight tomorrow night no sorry it's on Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday night of this week. Bingo goes ahead tomorrow night also in the Adelquin Hall in Canturk. Half past eight, the usual buses will run. And the Department of Employment, Affairs and Social Protection will hold an information day in the Castle Hotel in McCroom. It's on today. It's aimed at employers. There'll be information on employer support services. And music students of the Cork School of Music, along with the Kinsale Voice Choir, are taking part in a concert in St. Mary and all Saints Church in Glanmar Friday night 8 o'clock donations accepted on the night and that's in aid of AWARE and the Cork Cancer Care Centre are holding a fundraising craft and bake sale for the Blankets of Hope and it's happening next Saturday from 12 noon to 3pm at the Cork Cancer Care Centre everybody's welcome there'll be knitters there to explain how to get involved in making the blankets if you can help with baking on the day they'd love to hear from you 021 4949090 Cork today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 103 And thank you to a listener who phoned in to say uh, Tom Shahan who I mentioned when I was talking about the, the listener who said JJ wasn't it who lived for 70 years in Bosford and said a county mayor has never visited Bosford somebody wants to point out that Tom Shahan from Bosford was county mayor some years ago and I thought he was but I was too afraid to say it in case I was wrong in case I'd remembered it wrong so you not only had a county mayor visit you had one living in the area uh, JJ uh, thank you for that okay I can see a lot of questions coming in for Peter, keep those coming, please. Um, Bernie's taking calls, 1850-333-103. If you have a gardening question, or you can text her WhatsApp as well. Some of your texts on different issues. When I asked about Lent and what are people doing for Lent? Are people giving up anything for Lent? And what about children? Do children continue to give up or take up something for Lent? Here's a lovely text and says, Patricia, I'm an infant teacher. So the, the real smallies, the four and five year olds. And I encourage them to take something up for the 40 days of Lent, like being helpful at home, sharing with their siblings. It's more age appropriate and it makes them more aware of themselves and others. Oh, that's just fantastic. Remember the school in Clon with their kindness, their acts of kindness at Christmas. That just, I was nearly in tears listening to that. I just think that's a lovely thing uh, to do. You sound like a wonderful infant teacher. Long may you continue and that's a, a really nice thing to do and that's something we can co- encourage if you don't want I mean, the traditional thing was always for children. Certainly when I was growing up, we always, we gave up uh, sweets for Lent and that was it. And God knows, thinking back and I know it wasn't that hard. So we didn't have as many sweets as kids have today. Now, I don't know if children still do that or not. And you used to get a dispensation, didn't you, on St. Patrick's Day? Because it always fell in the middle of Lent. You'd be allowed whatever you gave up as a child, you would be allowed to eat on that particular day. But that was it until you waited for the Easter egg on Easter Sunday. So I don't know if the the good old traditional giving up of sweets is still there or not. Somebody else messaged in uh, to say, hoping to give up coffee. So far, so good. 
Oh, I'd find that extremely difficult. Can I wish you the best of luck with that? And will you let me know at the end of the 40 days and the 40 nights, did you survive without the coffee? I think the first few days would probably be the trickiest for you. You'll have banging headaches and everything. If if you are a big coffee drinker, you'll certainly come down with the, um, some headaches. And that listener, there's no name on, on it, also was listening to my interview with West Cork Connect and the bus service private bus company now operating from Skibbereen picking up people along the way right into Cork uh, City says hi Trish listening to the cost of the, the return fare from Skibbereen to Cork what fantastic value it costs 13 euro and 80 cent return to go from Crookhaven to Cork with uh, bus Aaron it's a much much uh, cheaper service out of West Cork yeah because somebody said is there any, any chance they'd run a similar bus out of East Cork and somebody else is looking for one out, out of North Cork so there's others worried about the cost of fares for sure OK and there was some texts in earlier in the last hour my apologies I didn't get around to them Hi Patricia uh, oh, this, I, I'm assuming that this kicked in this text came because I mentioned that some of the schools uh, in Ireland, there's some in Waterford, there's some in Dublin and there's some up the, the north whose young people, transition year students, are just back from midterm break and they'd ski holidays in Italy and obviously they're being monitored now for the coronavirus. Some students have been sent home and told to stay at home, self-isolate for two weeks to make sure that they didn't pick up anything when they were on their ski holidays. And others, I know there's pupils in Waterford are being tested even though I think the Waterford ones I think are going to be okay because they don't think they were anywhere near any of the hot spots for coronavirus but that's not to say they didn't come in contact with somebody along the way so they're actually being tested uh, for it but that's prompted listeners to say isn't it great for young students transitioning students to be heading away on foreign holidays and you probably have some of their families or other family members driving around in 2020 vehicles flying around the place and then you've got others like us barely surviving on the bread line it can be life can be so unfair 1850 and here's one now we may have to get on to I might get Bernie to get on to the RSA on this one because I tried to check during the news at 12 midday to see if I could get an answer on this Patricia could you answer this question for me please my daughter is going for her driving test in four weeks time oh fingers crossed and the best of luck to her does she have to have a qualified driver with her when she's driving to the test centre on the morning of the test or can she drive there on her own also, if she passes her test that day, the day of the driving test, can she then drive home on her own or does she have to have somebody with her in the car until she receives her full licence in the post, which obviously would take some time. And that's from a listener in the Yall uh, area. Now, I did, I, my, my gut instinct would tell me straight away she, she, she would have to, by the letter of the law, she would have to have somebody with her driving to the test centre, for sure, for sure, because she's still on a learner permit. Now, I know, and let's presume that she passes her test that day. She then go from L plates to N plates and then she can drive on her own. But she'll have her full licence, as you say, will have to come in the post. I, I have vague recollection that we did this Oh, a few years ago, this came up again and somebody said that you couldn't drive because technically once you pass your test, you go and you're in your, your novice plate for two years, you're allowed to drive on your own, but that you shouldn't drive by, again, the letter of the law until you physically have the licence in the post with you. And if that's the case, then you would have to have somebody with you 
on the day of the test so that when you leave the test centre even though you've got this piece of paper saying that you've passed your test but you don't still have the full licence in your hand that you should, still should have somebody with you. But listen, we'll, we'll give it out to see. There's bound to be listeners out there will be able to tell us exactly if they got stopped by the guards, by the guardie, uh, what would happen. Could you be done? Because technically you're still a learner driver. But definitely heading to the test, she is a learner driver. So I would be saying somebody on a full licence should certainly sit in the car with her grey area as to what happens when she walks out with a piece of paper saying that she is now has a full licence because the L plate and then she brings the N plates with her and pulls down the L plates and puts up the N plates so we'll get that one checked and if we can get a definitive answer before they close the programme I'll bring it to you if not I'll certainly put that question to the RSA we'll email it to them and we'll see if they can come back to us with some kind of a definitive answer because we don't want anybody getting into trouble and picking up points that they don't need to pick up points or picking up fines and we know how they've really clamped down on learner drivers and because of the Clancy Amendment how they've clamped down on learner drivers driving without a fully qualified driver with them. 1850 We're going to take a break and we are back getting your gardening questions answered by Peter Dowdle. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 And just a couple of uh, texts just I want to get to. We were talking about Lent and people giving up things uh, for Lent. This made me smile. It isn't says, hi, hi Patricia. I spotted an Ash Wednesday related post on Facebook today the photo showed a young person with ashes on their forehead and the caption reads if you're looking for a nice Catholic person as a possible future partner God is labelling them today (laughs) that made me smile Okay, and thank you to a huge number of people addressing the concerns of the listener from Yall whose daughter is doing a driving test in a month's time and wondering does she have to have a qualified driver with her heading to the test centre and what happens after is when she just has a piece of paper this is where we're assuming she's going to pass she's a piece of paper saying she's passed but she doesn't have the full licence can she drive without a fully qualified driver Bantry listener has been on along with a huge number of other calls and texts from across the city and county to say hi there you do need to have a fully licensed driver both going to and coming from the test centre my daughter did her test last year and that was the case if she's successful and passes the test she still has to have a licensed driver with her leaving the test centre and with her until she receives her full licence she can then change her L plates to N plates and then drive without a licensed driver and you leave the N plates up for two years. Hope that helps. It does indeed. Thank you to that from a listener in Bantry. As I say, a lot of other people backing up that very same statement. So thank you for that. Okay, Peter Dowdle joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome. God, it's been bitterly cold and the weather yesterday was just shocking awful. The only way to describe it, it has been shocking awful. Uh, today is lovely now looking out the window. Uh, I'm sitting inside looking out of it, but yes, it is pretty cold out there. Okay, straight into a question. This came in by email earlier from uh, Margaret in Castle Marcher. I have a question for Peter, please. My lawn has a lot of moss and I'd like to know what Peter would recommend and when is the best time to treat the lawn before or after cutting? first thing I recommend quite tongue-in-cheekly is to learn to love the moss. And if that's a bridge too far, the reason I say that is because moss is a perennial problem in, in this part of the world. Um, we're warm and we're damp, which is the, the ideal conditions for, for moss in the lawn. But just spending a bit of time in it, because I know a lot of people will have the same issue at the moment. And 
if you look at the, the kind of the reasons for it, it, it's, it can be compacted soil, which is difficult to do anything about. It is warm and it's damp, which, as I say, is, is something we have to accept. Um, but then a lot of the products that we put on our lawn are actually creating conditions which are ideal for the development of moss. So moss likes uh, a slightly acidic soil, so that's a soil with a slightly lower pH, okay? Whereas grass, to grow grass properly, you need a slightly alkaline soil. So the optimum pH for grass growth is slightly alkaline. So if you can remember that, and if you can try and keep the pH slightly alkaline, moss can't grow in those conditions. So there is a product called Lawn Gold, which is a range of, of different products throughout the season. You put it on three times during the year, spring, summer, and autumn, which does just that. It maintains the correct pH for good grass growth. Uh, and whilst giving the, the the grass itself the correct nutrients for the different time of the year, but by doing that, you're you're prevent you're creating conditions that moss can't tolerate. So any moss that's on the lawn then will just turn to dust. It doesn't go black. Like a lot of uh, the, the traditional uh, treatments for moss on the lawn were based on sulfate of iron, which turns the moss black. But uh, it, what it actually does is it creates uh, a lower pH, which leads to a cycle of moss colonizing yeah. and testing and you treating it and of course that's what the, the, the makers of these products want that you have to keep going to buy them so actually if you just take a step backwards and look at the conditions grass wants a slightly alkaline ph moss wants a slightly acidic ph so it, it's kind of back to basics and yeah. it's, when you understand it it makes a lot of sense uh, so that's what i would look at doing as to when to do it uh, most of those the products like law and gold and those kind of products will tend not to work uh, until we get to about 10 degrees. So I would say we're probably another couple of weeks off before I'd use it. Before after cutting, I would wait till you've cut it and put it on maybe a day after cutting. Because Tim, staying on lawns, Tim in Formoy wants to know what's the right time to scarify the lawn and what should he uh, should he put on it after he scarified it? The for same advice? For, for, yeah, pretty much. And for those who are listening, saying, what does, he, what does scarify mean? Scarify is really just like a good, good strong mechanical rake where you're, you're ripping out the moss and you're ripping out the patch, which is where the grass is growing horizontally along the soil surface. And again, this all leads to a certain amount of patches is totally normal. that you, you get a buildup of dead tissue at the soil surface. But when that when it's building up quicker than it's breaking down, then it leads to problems. So it is good lawn maintenance to scarify it once a year. And the best month to do it is March. Uh, like the textbooks will tell you March or then September, I would certainly go at March because the lawn, get to, the lawn will look desperate after you've done it, but it gets a chance to recover then during the, the, the spring and summer. Whereas if you do it in September, you're kind of coming into challenging months anyway for the lawn into the winter. So I would certainly do it in March. And then afterwards, yeah, I give it a, give it a treatment again with the lawn gold. Marie in Mallow planted daffodil bulbs last year in boxes. She fed the bulbs when they had stopped flowering. This year, most of them, I've grown with no flowers at all. She's now questioning, should she have dug them up after they flowered rather than leaving them in the ground? I'd say probably, okay. She did the right thing by feeding them after they flowered and as they're dying back, because those bulbs are, are swollen, swollen stems, if you like, and swollen to the base of the shoots and the, and the stems and everything. So they are the food reserve which will produce the, the, the leaves and flowers then the following year. So by getting as much nutrient back into that swollen stem, then, then you're doing the right thing. The fact that they haven't flowered, I suspect, yes, if they were growing in pots or boxes, they're growing probably in a peat-based compost, which won't have much in terms of nutrient. So I'd say probably the right thing to do in that situation was to, to take them up. Don't do it now. Wait till the, the, the leaves have died back again. You might be surprised. You may get flowers yeah. yet, so don't worry. It's not too late by any manner of means. Uh, you may well get flowers yet. If you don't, whether or which, wait for the foliage to die back, which will probably be about May. Take them out of the, the, the box store them somewhere kind of cool and dry until the autumn and then plant and them, then plant them the again. Garden then.
Yeah. Dave in uh, oh sorry Mary first on the Cork Kerry border is it too late to prune roses? No uh, I would say kind of end of February is always my kind of cut off that's when I like to have the roses pruned by now that's not to say that I always get there myself but for me the end of February is the cut off uh, but it's a job that if you haven't even got it done by the end of February it's better to do it a bit later than not at all because it, it, roses do need to be pruned for them to perform well so you're certainly not too late no. David Glanthan, his rhubarb failed for some reason last year. He wants to know, is it likely to regrow this year or does he need to buy fresh plants? Do you remember, Trish, for about six months of last year we were dealing with rhubarb yeah, failing? Constantly. Whatever. Yeah, constantly. And I haven't got to the bottom of it. I still don't know what was causing it. And the short answer to Dave there is, I don't know because I don't know when he says it failed, did it come up at all? If it did and just shriveled back, depending, it's really a question of wait and see. If So if it came up and just didn't come to anything, Give it time, it may come back. Uh, if it didn't come up at all last year, then no, I'd be very, very surprised if it comes up this year. I don't know, is it a fungal problem or a bacterial problem, but it's, a lot of people have had the same problem. It'll be interesting year. to see, will it, will, yeah. it, will it happen again this year? And, and it's just, it's a, it's a wait and see. And I suspect, just sorry, just saying on that one, Trish, if it is new plants which are needed, which my gut is telling me it is, I'd be slow, even not knowing what caused it, but I would be slow to plant them in the same place. Okay, Tim, uh, what... No, yeah, sorry, Tim in Formoy uh, is is going to grow seed potatoes in a grow bag. He wants to know how deep down should they be? Okay, well, when you're growing them in a grow bag, it's not like your your tomato grow bag, which is like a, a bag of compost with holes cut in it. You don't grow your potatoes in that kind of a situation. What you do is you get, if you can imagine, Trish, like, you know the kind of, what do they call them? I think, do they call them the skippo bags? You know those yeah, yeah. bags? Yeah. Well, they don't have to be that size, but if you can imagine a bag like that, they don't have to be that size, I that. But if you can imagine a bag like that, so you put, let's say, six or eight inches of soil at the bottom of the bag, then yeah. you put your seed potatoes in, in there, in say, top. about a foot and a half apart, on top of that, so you're stooping down into the bag, right? Um, and then you just cover the seed potatoes by about an inch. Okay. okay. And then you let it, so you're mimicking the field conditions, so then you let them sprout and shoot, and you keep earthing up around them. So every time, so it's not like you fill the bag and then plant them two feet under the ground. You don't. You, you fill, put five or six inches of soil at the bottom, put in the seed potatoes, cover the seed potatoes, uh, and as they grow, as the shoots emerge, you keep earthing up around them. So you keep filling the bag so that just the top of the shoot is visible. Uh, and you keep doing that until until they're ready to harvest, which is when they flower. Um, it do, as I say, you don't need a bag that size. I wouldn't recommend a bag that size, but that type of bag works. And you have gorgeous homegrown potatoes oh, and there's nothing perfect. like it. Get the butter out. Uh, Ted in Butterfant is after getting his hands on a load of manure. He's wondering, would it be good for growing onions or potatoes? I'd, I'd keep them away from the, the onions. It should be good for the potatoes. Uh, what I would do with the potatoes is, if you're not in a bag now, but if you're digging, doing those in a, in a normal raised bed or just out in the field, so you dig your drill, uh, dig down a few inches, line that with some manure, cover the manure with soil and then put in your seed potatoes so they're not go, going straight onto manure and I wouldn't earth up around them with the manure just with soil so you're just kind of creating a, a, not quite a hot bed but you're putting some nutrients and some heat underneath uh, the, the seed potatoes to draw the roots down but uh, with manure and with anybody getting manure you have to be careful of a few things the most important thing is that it's well rotted uh, and well rotted means about two years of age or more a good test if you're not sure it should be crumbly kind of like compost in texture mm. and there should be no smell from it so if there's a smell from it it's still too raw and the other thing to be very careful of with, with manure uh, is that there's no weeds in it obviously you're going to have a few annual weeds I'm not worried
knotweed or any or any uh, invasive ground elder or any of them which can come in a manure. So just do be careful that you're not introducing a problem. But after that, failing that, if they're not present, then um, it's a great, great source of organic matter for the garden. Okay, why WhatsApp? Hi, I have the most beautiful display of snowdrops. Unfortunately, they're adorning a disused corner where the bulbs obviously got dumped out with soil. Can I dig them up and replant them in the aut- in the autumn? Actually, if, if it was nearly any other spring bulb bar the snowdrop, I would say yes. But with the snowdrop, you, you do the opposite. You dig them up now. So you dig them up when they're actually still in the green. The bulbs are so tiny. If you do, if you do it in the, the other time of the year, later on, they dry out too quickly. So actually the best way to transplant and grow snowdrops is what's called in the green, so when they're still full of green leaves. So you could do that now, actually, and transplant them immediately. Okay. Hi, Peter. Can I prune my hydrangeas? That's from Barry. Yes, I would say to Barry, yes. Maybe just maybe just wait a week or so until this, this cold snap that we're, we're, we're getting and promise to get passes. Uh, but then, yes, I, a bit like the roses, I'd like to have them done by the end of February, early March. Okay, and have I a final one there? Um, ask Peter, could gooseberry and blackberry, black currant bushes be moved now? They are very well established. You've gone a bit late. I mean, the, 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 uh, the short answer is I'd say give it a go. But if you could wait till next year, I'd say you're probably better off. Better off to do it from November to kind of end of February at the very latest. I know we're not there yet. But uh, see, those plants, when you lift them, particularly when they're very well established, you are going to be damaging the root system. It's unavoidable. You want to do that when they have as much time as possible to recover before the spring starts. At the moment, growth could start next week or in two weeks' time. So do it if you need to do it. Give it a go and I'll get as big a root ball as possible. If if you can, I would wait off till November and do it then. And Sean and Carrigaline has an ornamental box hedge. When is the best time to trim them? Oh, don't don't be uh, tempted to trim them too early because that can lead to block box blight. So uh, wait till mid mid to end of June, even July. July will probably be the best month. It's quite late in the year that you trim them. So leave it till July and then you should be safe enough. OK, we'll talk to you again next week. Just very briefly, if I may, Trish, the yeah. 3rd of March in Formoy in Adair Hall. That's next week now. It's the 3rd of March in Adair Hall in Formoy. I'll be talking, uh, giving top tips on the design tips for your garden, uh, bearing in mind biodiversity and promoting biodiversity in the garden. Uh, that's the 3rd of March at 8pm in Adair Hall in Formoy. Looking forward. OK, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Thanks. for that, Peter. Bye-bye. That's where I leave you uh, for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced. And then we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And to the Night Patricia Messenger, a very good afternoon.